Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talks. I'm your host, David Steele, and welcome to the introduction of a brand new segment we're calling Flashback Fridays. My co-hosts and I will be reviewing films from the past, and as promised, this is going to be the first episode in a long line of them, 27 to be exact, as we analyze, critique, and review every single MCU movie chronological order, beginning today with Iron Man. So without any further ado, let me introduce you to my new co-host. Her name is Anne Cargard. So Anne, tell the listeners a little about yourself. Hey guys, I'm based in Minneapolis. Huge fan. I saw the original Iron Man movie in theaters, so I might be dating myself on that, but I've seen at least every movie twice, and I'm really looking forward to this because, you know, what I talk about with my friends a lot is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's nice to get somebody else to talk to about it, and, you know, not rehashing the same things over and over again with my friends, so I'm really looking forward to this. Fabulous. So where can uh, they find you on social media, Ian? So you can find me on Instagram at frogs, Z. Z. So it's F-R-O-O-G-Z underscore Z. Great. I'm actually on Twitter at WannabeRounder, LinkedIn, and on Instagram too at DKDuda. Just one last quick announcement. Our Patreon channel recently just went live. You can find it by typing in Real Talks in the search bar. Let me tell you a little about it. We're offering five levels you can support us at. $5, $10, $20, $30, and $40. If you do choose to support us, you'll have the opportunity to earn some great perks, such as your name shouted out before every podcast, cool merch, and if you're one of our major contributors, you'll earn a one-hour monthly meeting with Allura and us. I'll leave the link in the description. And let's get started. So, you said you've seen every single MCU movie twice. For now, I'm going to see them at least double that now when I'm talking about our podcast because I've got to analyze every little piece all the easter eggs that's kind of my thing that I need to watch out for now is those easter eggs that's going to be what I'm going to focus on so a little bit of background about the movie itself this was made on a 140 million dollar budget which for the time in 08 was pretty big and this actually got introduced I believe at comic-con in 07 and so nobody knew about this and then they decided they were going to try and put this together. And as I said, $140 million budget. It opened to a big $98.6 million weekend. So there was a lot, a lot of anticipation behind this. It made domestically here in the States $319 million. So almost a quarter of that came in its first week. And worldwide, just shy of $586 million. So what was the one thing that you liked I mean, there was many things, but give me a couple of the quick pointers that you really like going back when you watch it. Bobby. Going back, I mean, I was just astounded by the quality of the acting. I mean, up until that point, all of the superhero movies were pretty crappy. Like I was watching Spawn the other day and <laughs> it was just like over the top and like this was like almost like a realistic like drama movie. I was like, man, this is like great acting. I mean, Robert Downey Jr., you know, he was kind of an actor I never had heard of. He was kind of out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, he's just blowing you away. And, you know, kind of looking back in his history, he actually has a lot of accolades. I think he got nominated for Best Actor for a few movies. And like, yeah, I mean, he, he never really was like a blockbuster guy. And he actually was kind of on the fringes of the acting world because of his addiction issues. And then 
I mean, he... No, I I was just going to say that because I think a lot of people, when they thought of Robert Downey Jr. to begin with, they thought about an actor just as somebody who always got in trouble with the law. And it was a drug addiction, whether it was cocaine or whatever it was. And they said, okay, is this guy ever going to get clean? And when Marvel came to him and said, look, we're putting together a whole new a whole new thing. We want you to be a part of it. And they said, okay, well, let's try out and see the screen test. And so when he got the part, and I feel like, I mean, we're talking almost 15 years later. This is the one thing that cleaned him up. I mean, if can you imagine if he hadn't gotten the part? So, I mean, I know that previous productions that he was on, they had to take out insurance on him because of his addiction issues. You know, they were taking a risk with him, but he is such a good actor. I mean, he's been acting since he was a kid. I know that his dad was a director and he's been in a few movies, but I mean... You know, just looking at all of the accolades from different actors, different directors, they just say, like, you know, he's not Iron Man, he's Actor Man. He's actually a great actor, and I think, you know, he's the godfather of this whole thing, so. Yeah, oh no, absolutely, absolutely. So I loved, so John Favreau, let's talk about John Favreau for a minute, because I don't think he gets enough credit. I mean, everybody knows him from The Mandalorian, okay, as of recent. But they took a big risk as far as, I mean, Marvel was still, this was brand new. They're slapping out $180 million for this movie. And they took a little bit of a risk on Favreau. So not only is he acting, even though he has a small part, but he's directing this. So, the you know, I took some notes. The film opens with a song that everybody knows. I mean, this does one of those uh, flashback scenes where we see right in the beginning where the convoy gets attacked opens with uh, Back in Black by ACDC. And it's like, okay, we're going to get right into this. And and when the convoy gets attacked, you know, it's we see Tony getting captured up to a certain point. And uh, so it just, I really thought that how they started this, it started with a good sequence. It wasn't, it wasn't slow like it could have been. Yeah, no, just... And they keep using that formula again, and they used it for Guardians of the Galaxy too. you know, get you with a quick, catchy song. And they're using it on their rides now, you know, using the, what is it, the Tower of Terror that they redid now? And, like, they have music to a roller coaster. I mean, can you imagine, like, timing, like, roller coaster to a yeah, soundtrack? That's difficult. Yeah. But, so. yeah, no, so, so it opens, Convoy gets attacked, and then... We get a flashback of 36 hours earlier where he goes and basically demonstrates his weapon and called the Jericho. But this is more of a character. This is what you were talking about, the acting chops of Robert Downey Jr. This is one of the greatest character arcs, I think, in film history. I mean, that, that may be overstating it a little, but you take a look at where the character starts and where the character ends. And all you have to do, and we'll get to this many, many, many months down the road, but all you have to take do is take a look at the last five minutes of Iron Man, the movie, and the last four words out of his mouth, I am Iron Man. Fourteen years later, what are the words he says before he dies? So that just tells you, and in all of the everything we go through with the band, it's unbelievable. I was just going to say the continuity is amazing. I mean, having an actor stick with a franchise for that long. I mean, 
was it Rhodes, his associate in the movie? Like he only lasted one movie. Yeah, Terrence Howard. Yeah, we were lucky to have him stick through the continuity of all the movies because if they moved it to a different actor, if they changed it to a different actor, I would not have stuck around, I think, you know, for the adventure. I don't think anybody, anybody would have because that's one thing that everybody likes is content is what you just brought up, continuity. It doesn't matter if it's Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man or Johnny Depp is Captain Jack Sparrow or whatever it is. They want to see that same character. So he gets captured, and the terrorists now bring him back to their hideout and and want him to build this because they want him over in the Middle East. And he says no. And, and that was the other thing, too. You know, so there were a lot of montages. Did you notice that? There were two, at least two or three montages in that. One when he, you know, he's building the weapon, building the suit itself. Right. Another is when he's actually building the real Iron Man suit. And... I mean, I thought they were executed well, so we didn't have to go through those tedious minutes of watching him do this, but it's more like, okay, we see what's going on, and even that was a little bit of a callback, so they were able to keep the stability of it. So what did you think of Gwyneth Paltrow? I mean, obviously, she stayed with the franchise as well. Do you think they were a good match? I don't think Marvel does couples well, to tell you the truth. I mean, she's a good actress but i just wasn't impressed with her as much as i was with some of the other actors like happy or you know just obadiah i think they were much better actors than gwyneth paltrow and like maybe it is the fact that marvel just doesn't do coupling well maybe that kind of off put my opinion of her but i just wasn't impressed i mean she wasn't bad but she wasn't fantastic compared to her co-workers Average, yeah. yeah okay so if you could have chosen one person to actually say, okay, this is who I wanted in place of her, who are you choosing? I like Liv Tyler in The Incredible Hulk, and I think she would have been a good addition. She always seems to play it like a romantic... Armageddon, yeah. She always is like the romantic archetype. So I feel like, you know, if you're going to go with that, you might as well try with Liv Taylor. But again, you know, she did go into The Incredible Hulk. And I and that was okay, again, but I wasn't impressed by the coupling. And I think it was more on the male side. Just there wasn't that chemistry. So of course, since this, this is the first movie, we're going to be talking about all of these actors you're going to see from many movies to come. Of course, Greg Park comes in as Agent Phil Coulson from S.H.I.E.L.D. He just pops in occasionally, but he, as we all see later on, has a huge role. Had you heard of, I mean, obviously, I think everybody had heard of S.H.I.E.L.D. What did you think of him as a actor? He was the first thing. I had never heard of him. So I think that was an interesting choice. I mean, it was a supporting role, and I understood that. What did you think of Greg Clark? He's not very memorable. I mean, he's there. I mean, S.H.I.E.L.D. is important, and he's just kind of like, just a generic suit, I guess. Yeah, so there were a couple things I noticed. One of them is when Tony's about ready to escape, and he has, so Jensen dies, his partner, if you will, in captivity, and he goes out and sacrifices him for himself. And he says, don't waste your life. And so Tony really went from being upset and angry and hurt. And then you saw a different side. And then he comes out and just blasts everybody. But I think that was a little turning point in the movie. Not only because he was able to escape, 
but because you see that little arc character arc move. So now he goes, and the next scene you see is where he comes back and, and explains to the press, we're done making weapons. The light bulb went on, he had an epiphany. And of course, this starts the struggle between Obadiah and himself. And we learn later on that, you know, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, it's been out 15 years. I think we should have had that earlier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He set him up. So, you know, but that was that was a turning point is when he said, don't waste your life. Because then he comes back and he really make, wants to make everything right that he did. And so I thought that was important. Did you notice in, you know, his cohort in prison, like when he dies, he dies on food rations from America? <laughs> No, and that's, yeah, I hadn't noticed that. Like the, I think it's like rice or something and he's like yeah. dying and you see like an American flag underneath him and it's like rations or something. And I'm like, oh gosh. And I, I don't know if it was like a political statement at the time or if it was just like a little humor that they had. Yeah. I mean, it could have been both. I mean, it very easily could have been both. That's interesting. That's, I've seen that movie two or three times and. Yeah, when Jensen dies, I'm like, why is he dying on an American flag? And then... I think, you know, that's... They did steal everything. So, and that meant the food, too, including the weapons. One of the first shots that I saw, or that I really, really liked, is the test sequence. I, I got a kick out of that, where he was about ready to fly. Okay, 10%. Boom! And he slaps right in the wall. But that just shows you how powerful that thing is. You know, and then he had got it at 2% and was able to, you know, maintain it. But that first test, though, when he's really the shot where you see the armor all come together. And you, I mean, you can YouTube all of these throughout the years. But that first shot when you see all of the pieces come together for the actual suit before the fire in your red and gold gets on there. And then, you know, it, that looked really good. Right. Visually, I guess the thing is, visually, this just looked really good. Even for the time, it holds up. I think, like, the graphics hold up even today. Yeah, and it's just... So, getting back to the villain, Jeff Bridges, what did you think? How did you think he did? Great. I mean, who's that villain from Batman? He smokes the cigar. He's got, like, a big build. He kind of reminded me of him. The Penguin. No, I mean, isn't there like a big boss or something? Like he's like. I thought it was. Anyway, he kind of reminds me of like a classic like character. It's like an archetype I've seen before, and he kind of leaned into that. And I think you know we were kind of just like revisiting the hero movie as like a revamp, and I think they they focused on old tropes, which is something that you kind of have to do when you're reinventing the space. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, because not too long, correct me if I'm wrong, but not too long after this, you know, The Dark Knight came out the same year? I think so. Like, wasn't it competing against it? I, I don't know. I don't know the exact week, but that really, I mean, and we could go into a whole other podcast about this, but if you want to talk about superhero movies, which, by the way, we're going to be doing a couple weeks or this week or next week, we're going to be doing a superhero Almost 15 years of Marvel, almost. I'm going to have Anne back, so, because she's the expert about all this. But this was a huge year for superhero movies. You had Iron Man, which was the first perennial movie for Marvel. And then you had The Dark Knight. 
And that's just crazy to think about. Like two major from different studios too. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I thought, I thought he did well. I thought he did well. I thought the look with the beard was good. I mean, that's what made the character. Um, I thought that's what made it for him. And this is speaking of Easter eggs. This is the first time we hear anything about the Ten Rings. I know. And I was wondering, like, do you think they planned that like this far in advance? Or did they just like go back and see like, oh, we could use the Ten Rings. So Kevin Feige is one of the, and I think he's probably arguably the best studio head in business right now. But Kevin Feige has always said that he is planning three, four, five years in advance. So if they have a film coming up, they already know what they're doing four or five years later. So I think that they knew, but they didn't know how they were going to use it. And so, yeah, this was an interesting way to introduce, you know, the Ten Rings. And you really have to be in the moment to know, oh, okay, those are the Ten Rings. And, you know, I, I think that that's, I don't think anybody thought all these years later with Shane Chief just coming out a couple of years ago that, oh, wow, we're getting our first look at the Ten Rings since Iron Man. So, yeah, no, I just, this whole movie, you can't understate how important it was. Yeah. Because if this movie doesn't do well, we're not talking about Marvel 15 years later. It's done. Right. Put a sock in them. And they had the foresight. I mean, they started, you know, talking about like, oh, we've got more heroes. We've got more people coming. And like they were ramping this stuff up. And I mean, you know, the DC universe was like trying to copy this. But, you know, that's like trying to go back and reinvent the wheel. I mean, Marvel had their stuff together right away. Yeah. So I think there is maybe four or five things that really contribute and contribute to Marvel's success. Number one is the stories. The stories, for me, if you can have a great story, you have everything. You can have the worst actor and the best story, and it's still going to work. So the stories are there. Number two is the casting. Even today, you look at the number of, and I've said this in other podcasts, you look at the casting of Marvel and what they do, whether it's Glenn Close and Guardians, whether it's Robert Redford and Winter Soldier, whether it Anybody, I could go on and on and on and on. The big names, once it started to pick up steam, everyone, everybody wanted to be involved. Yeah. In some capacity. I think number three, and really invented the whole thing, the mid-credit scene. How many movies can you think of off the top of your head that have mid-credit scene at the end of it and go and tease something later on? And then not only tease something later on, but pay it off. So that was a huge, everybody's like, oh my God, what is this? What is it? I mean, number four, the trailers. The trailers, and, and there's a formula for the trailers, but it's always about that last 15 seconds. Always. Yeah. Whether if you look at, I know we're fast forwarding, but I'm just taking examples. Whether you look at Endgame with Thor and Captain Marvel, and he shoots the hammer over, I like this one. Or it's Civil War. With Spider-Man coming in, hey guys, they're not talking about what's in the, the shots of the movie. They're talking about the last 15 seconds. So you go, oh my God, did you see you know, such and such? 
I mean, they actually deliver yeah. too. I mean, like Suicide Squad, like that was a fantastic trailer. Whoever did that trailer deserves like an award. I mean, the movie was terrible, but I mean, yeah, <laughs> the trailer yeah. was fantastic, and Marvel actually follows through with their trailers. And you know, it was like a shocking moment actually yeah. in the movie. It's not just a trailer thing. Yeah. So he gets back to America. Back to the movie. So he gets back to America. He starts building the suit. And Obadiah is trying to convince him, hey, look, this is a good idea. Meanwhile, he's trying to play both sides. And so the reporter at the beginning of the movie, Al comes up, says, did you see this? He goes over. Iron Man then goes over and takes care of that. Meanwhile, he's trying to keep this on the DL to uh, Rhodey, you know, because he's really going to get shot down. So, but that's the other thing, too. Now I think about the humor, the comedic humor, like... It's so well placed and they don't over, it's not overbearing that you don't laugh at the jokes that it's an extreme, but it's so funny that you laugh anyways. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's serious, but it doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, and then of course we have to talk of speaking about mid-credit scenes, the introduction of Nick Fury, Samuel Jackson. I don't think there was anybody else they could have gotten to play the role. I mean, that would have been as good. So, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but he has that brash, you know, I'm Nick Fury, head of shield type, you know. He makes any movie better. Yeah. So you don't know what you're involved in. It's called Avengers Initiative. So this movie, this really started everything, literally and figuratively. Next week, we're we'll talking about The Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2. But this is Ford's time, you, you said it right, Ford's time, it aged really well. Because when we look at movies, we don't look at movies at the present day. We say, how did they hold up? I mean, take a look at The Dark Knight. And I'm just bringing that up as an example. Nobody thought in a way that it was, you know, the acting, yeah, sure, the acting was good and the movie was good. But for film critics alike, and we'll probably ask Ryan this next week, so to tease another uh, podcast, we're going to be doing Blockbuster, a Blockbuster preview. Well, we've got a special guest coming up on that, Brian McQuaid, who's a well-known movie critic. But I want to ask Brian. I think everybody has The Dark Knight in their top five comic book movies of all time. I mean, maybe not. I mean, if it, they don't, it's probably five or six. But there are very few and far between. How? You said you saw this in theaters? I did. And I was blown away. I mean, I, I had seen other superhero movies, like, as a kid. And, you know, you didn't have any expectations for them. Like, the Green Lantern movie, I think that came out before. And that was... Ugh. That was that was horrible. And, like I said, I was impressed. And it, it still impresses me, even today. I mean, I had friends who wanted to see superhero movies because they read the comics as a kid. They were impressed. And then it really let them down. But I think this you know, was like a comic in moving format. Yeah. This is one of those movies that it's still, I mean, obviously it's, I would probably say I had to rate it top 10 just because it started the whole thing. I mean, so, I mean, eight or nine. I mean, once we get into this later on, we'll, you know, do a full like top 10 rating system of what we think of the greatest Marvel movies are, but yeah, I mean, it's it's up there and it has to be up there in the top ten just because it got everything started. And 
what comes after me. And you said something very interesting in your spot on. And he's a linchpin. He is the linchpin. Right. You, I mean, he that character was in 15, 16, 17 movies. Something like that. I mean, take out the Thor. Take out the Captain America movies. That's it. Take out Black Widow. Take out Shang-Chi. He's in about, yeah, six, a little more than what I said, about 17 movies. So if you don't get the right actor to begin with, you're in trouble. And so I think Robert Downey Jr. made almost $5 million for this picture. And, I mean, he, look, the guy never has to act. He never has to act again just because of the deals he made and how much money he made from this. But for the time, and I really didn't think, he wasn't on anybody's, what you said too, he wasn't on anybody's radar. Like he wasn't in any big motion picture movies that people go, oh, we're noticing this guy. We want this guy. I did rem- remember him from Tropic Thunder, though. Oh, Tropic Thunder is classic. Classic. But it's a different genre. It's a different... Yeah. It's not yeah. something that you'd transplant between the two. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just... So I, But I will say this. Fabro really set the tone for the whole MCU. I mean, I think there's a couple movies that were turning points... For the MCU, this is one of them. I think that because it was the introduction of everybody, like I said, I think that Winter Soldier, and we'll get to that later on, but Winter Soldier for me, top five MCU movie, just because it set the tone and you didn't know where it was going. You're still in phase one with First Avenger, and it did well, so everybody wants a really good sequel. And when they bring on these no-name directors, Joe and Anthony Russo, what are they going to deliver? So anyways, but that's for another podcast. I So this was a top-notch film. It, it holds up well 15 years later. And so it's a great stepping off point. And only great things can come. And we'll, as we get into this, it's going to be, it's just going to get better and better. So, and, you know, and the cutscenes too. And we may even do a whole podcast just on cutscenes alone because some of the cutscenes that marvel was able to do there have been some bad ones though too oh there have been some very bad ones but there have been some very good ones it i know we're wrapping up here but if you can give me like one or two cutscenes like mid-credit scenes or any credit scenes that you just love what would they be well i mean since we're talking about iron man i mean just the you know the you know ACDC song and everything's just kind of cool kind of you know it's like his normal life everything's standard and then he gets blown away by you know shrapnel and it's you know it's like a war scene like we're going from like oh haha I'm a you know billionaire playboy and then you know it's like a shock to his system that you know I'm not in my world right and it's like shocking us the same way that it shocks him and it's like changing his whole perspective it's like a total 180 and that's like my favorite one of my favorite because it it's putting us in the same place as the actor as the main character i mean it's just i think the cutscene that i really like the most i mean there's a few we are and this isn't We'll do this in a couple weeks, but the uh, the introduced to Thanos in the restaurant. I mean, after they save New York, you know, they, they want to go out. And they're all sitting in the restaurant, just 
you see the sign up there. And then, of course, we were introduced to Thanos. But I really, the one I, the, I would say the one I really like the most is Deadpool. They run through the whole credit scene. You guys still here? What, what are you doing here? Take your trash and leave. They didn't have enough to make a, a sequel. But I can tease, you know, so they end up teasing. And, of course, he makes fun of Josh Brolin being Cable. But, yeah. And I think I actually got it wrong when I said cut scene because I'm thinking like a transition scene. But when you're talking the end scene, sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. That's okay. But yeah, no, it did. Yeah, I, I would agree with you actually with the actually the shawarma scene. That that that's it. That, I couldn't think of it. You're right. You know, it's shawarma. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never tried shawarma. I tried it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I tried it as a result. <laughs> I didn't know. I have some co-workers who work one time, you know, a few months ago, I come in and I see this box and it says, it says shawarma. I'm like, wait a minute, that's a real thing. <laughs> I didn't know it was a real food. <laughs> so, oh, I might have to go out and try it just on your principle. But um, yeah, so this one's going to be a little short, but as we move on, there's going to be more and more. So next week, we have the Incredible Hulk, which... But you have to, there's not, there's always got to be a bad day at the office, right? <laughs> so. It has Nick Fury in it. it. Yeah, it does. It does. So that's a one guiding light, you know. So next week we'll do um, Incredible Hulk. Week after that is going to be the second Iron Man. And then we're So by the middle of May, middle or end of May, we're going to be through phase one. So, and, and this is just going on and on and on. And when you come back next time, we're going to be talking all about the 15 years of almost of Marvel. And that's hard to believe. 15 years. I mean, some of these movies, nobody thought that they would hold up. I mean, and there's so much that's happened. And for the majority of them, it's been one villain, right, Thanos? I mean, we're 27 movies in, and 22 of those were one villain. Did you like Josh? I know we're going to get into this later. What did you think about Josh Brolin as Thanos? Good or bad? I like him. I think I think he does well in those makeup roles, to tell yeah. you the truth. Yeah. So. And then, yeah. Okay, so... Until next time, I'm David Steele. And I'm Ann Cargard. And you have been listening to Real Talks. Flashback Friday. Bye-bye.